0: I represent parentalrights.org, and uh, my job in the organization is to go out all over the country and, and raise awareness uh, about what's going on with parental rights. How many of you realize that there is an aggressive erosion of parental rights occurring in the U.S.? Have you noticed it? You know, it's almost uh, impossible to, to not notice now. Uh, give you an example here. There, are, there is a table outside You're welcome to stop by it. It contains uh, lots of free material for you to learn about the erosion of parental rights. I need my Bible, too. Sorry. Um, Let me give you an example here. On the table, you'll find some cards and a DVD and a number of other papers. Um, uh, For example, in Sacramento, uh, baby Sammy was taken from his parents. Uh, because they wanted a second opinion before they subjected the baby to an open-heart surgery. <clears throat> and uh, they lost their, their child. Uh got him back later, but um, uh, that's something that's going on today. It's called medical neglect. If uh, you don't do exactly what's what uh, you're told, and this is not every time, you have some good doctors and good nurses and good medical people that, uh, take care of uh, us and take care of our children and and do what's right. But then there's some other issues going on uh, where parents are suspect, you know. And uh, everybody in the world is a mandatory reporter now. All all these professionals are mandatory reporters. And uh, doctors have pressure on them to report anything that they think could be some issue of neglect or abuse. And uh, so baby Sammy was taken That because of that. Um, in West Virginia, a judge ruled that a mother was required to share custody of her daughter with two babysitters because he considers them psychological co-parents, psychological parents, psychological co-parents. And uh, that's something that's going on today as well. As a matter of fact, I, for the last, uh, something's going on here. Uh, for the last uh, number of months, I've been working specifically on al- uh, getting organizations around the country to ally with us in this effort. And uh, I haven't told you what the effort is, have I? Uh, I will. But one of these organizations, a medical organization, and, uh, and uh, so they're working on this, uh, how they can ally with us. But one of their concerns was... Um, this psychological co-parenting that's going on in the courts these days. And they don't like it. And so they wanna make sure that the parental rights amendment will take care of that, and it will, um, before they, they go on and, and, uh, and sign up with us as an allied organization. So our organization is leading the effort to amend the U.S. Constitution to protect parental rights. And this is the only way This is the the best and the long-term solution for the protection of parental rights in the the United States. And you may ask, well, why do we need that now? We've been in in existence for 240 years. Why do we need parental rights amendment now? Why why do they need to be in the Constitution? And so I'm going to answer that question with a paper that we have out there called Why We Need the Parental Rights Amendment. And uh, I'll tell you, three times in the history of the United States uh, of the Supreme Court, they held in different parental rights cases that parental rights are fundamental rights, deserving of that high legal protection. Funda- fundamental rights deserve in, in the United States, and uh, one of those cases was uh, Peers uh, versus Society of Sisters in 1925, and uh, Wisconsin versus Yoder in 1972. But in 2000, the Supreme Court, in a case called Troxel versus uh, Troxel, uh, Troxel versus Granville removed from parental rights the high legal protection that parental rights enjoyed. They basically, by, and they didn't, they didn't say, hey, we're gonna remove parental, the uh, high legal protection. It's called strict judicial scrutiny uh, in legal terms. We're gonna remove that from, they didn't say that. But what they did do is that they tried, they ruled on this parental rights case and they didn't use strict judicial scrutiny in dealing with parental rights. Yeah, some of them said it was fundamental but they didn't, they didn't treat them as a fundamental right. And as a result, lower courts now have precedent and uh, other courts are not treating parental rights that way. In that decision, there was a six way split. There was a, uh, a six way split. There was no five justice majority. Uh, only one justice out of the nine said that parental rights were not only fundamental, but they also deserved strict judicial scrutiny and that was Tom, uh, Clarence Thomas. Uh, Justice Scalia, who um, was a staunch staunch constitutionalist, he said nothing in the Constitution uh, protects parental rights they're not in the, there 's no protection for parental rights in the Constitution if you want them protected, put them there and so uh, that started kind of like a free fall for for parental rights uh, in um, in two thousand and five the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, in a parental rights case called Fields versus Palmdale School District, they held there that parental rights stop at the school door. How do you like that? You like that idea? Parental rights stop at the school door. Your child walks into the school door, and you have nothing to say about what goes on in there, what, they're, what he's taught, and what, he, uh, what, what they do with him. <clears throat> um, now, not all school districts are the same. Not all states are the same. But um, I'll give you an example. There are some some school districts in the state of Washington that take young girls out of uh, junior high school and have IUDs implanted in them without parental notification or consent. Uh, others take girls and have, uh, even from as early as junior high, high school, and have abortions done without parental notification or consent. And... Uh, so what's happening here is that uh, bureaucratic bureaucrats and, and, uh, and government is taking more and more and more uh, oversight over children and making more and more decisions about children. <clears throat> In the DVD, there's a free DVD uh, called Overruled Government Invasion of Your Parental Rights And uh, it has three examples, great explanation. It it explains everything about why we need the the, uh, parental rights amendment. It explains both the domestic and the international threat to parental rights. On the domestic side, you've got bureaucrats, uh, bureaucratic agencies that are being more and more emboldened in this area. And uh, on on the international side, you've got UN treaties that seek to undo uh, do away with parental rights and have government officials decide what's best for children. As a matter of fact, the principle that they use is called best interest of the child, where government decides what's in the best interest of, chi- of children, not parents. <coughs> and uh, so the DVD will explain that to you. Please stop at the table and pick up, pick one up. Now, the only way to get involved and uh, and, and, and make a difference in this battle is to sign up to get the email updates and alerts. Now, the the amendment's been in Congress four times, and it's had as many as 141 co-sponsors in the U.S. House. And the big push is now going to be for this Congress, the 115th Congress. We need a lot of people to sign up. Because I want to have, when it's time to call, to make the calls, I want to have a million, two million people call. I want the parental rights amendment passed. And then they'll do it. We need two-thirds in both houses. Uh, then it goes to the states as a proposal. As the, the only way to amend the Constitution is is the President doesn't have anything to do with it. He influences, but he has nothing to do with it. He doesn't have to sign it. He doesn't have anything to do. He doesn't have to approve it. Congress does it. Two-thirds in both houses, and then it goes as a proposal to the states, and then we need 38 states, at least, to approve it, or not at least, that's, that's what we need, 38 states to approve it in their legislatures with a simple majority. Then it becomes the 28th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. And some people say, that's a hard job. How can you do that? It was done 11 times in the 20th century, 11 times. And with your help, it can be done the first time in the 21st century with the Parental Rights Amendment. And quickly, what does it do? It establishes parental rights again as a fundamental right in the Constitution, in the text of the Constitution. It says the liberty of parents to direct the upbringing, education and care of their children is a fundamental right. The amendment, by the way, does not give, I'm, I'm not gonna read every, every one of them to you uh, to, for the sake of time, but uh, the amendment doesn't give Congress any power to uh, enact uh, uh, pass laws to help en- uh, uh, enact it or enforce it or whatever. It just stands alone. In uh, section two, the parental right to direct education includes the right to choose as an alternative to public education, private, religious, or home schools, and the right to make reasonable choices within public schools for one's own child. Uh, This is called strict judicial scrutiny right here. It says that the government has to prove. It has to have a high compelling interest before it can infringe that right upon you, and it has to be true. Uh, And then finally, uh, and we'll go. uh, Yeah, okay. The uh, talking to myself here. The parental rights guaranteed by this article shall not be denied or abridged on account of disability. Thirty-five states, thirty-five states in the United States, have laws that allow for a child to be taken away from a parent with disability solely because that parent is disabled. Uh, so the parental rights amendment will protect parents with disabilities. It doesn't protect uh, neglectful parents. It doesn't protect abusive parents. There are laws to take care of that. But it, takes, it protects good and loving, fit parents that love and care for their children and want what's best for them. And that's everybody, just about everyone. Uh, finally, um, the, uh, Section 5 talks about uh, life, uh, you know in order to get to to pass an amendment you have to have uh bipartisan, bipartisan support and uh so if there was a, an idea that the amendment could be used to outlaw abortion or to affect abortion in any way we'd never get it passed so this have to be put in there so that people understand that the amendment doesn't doesn't stand on either side of that issue unfortunately and then finally second uh or lastly it protects Parental rights from international treaties. Uh, Here we go again. New president. So now they're pushing the U.N. Convention on the Rights of the Child and the U.N. Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities on this new president. And uh, it was signed by uh, uh, President uh, Obama, signed by Clinton before that, and uh, uh, they want to get it passed. Now, just because a president signs a treaty in the United States doesn't mean that it becomes law here but treaties do become the supreme law here if they're ratified in the senate and they've tried it over and over. Our organization has been in, uh, in that fight for some time to, to prevent that from happening along with many other organizations and uh, so far we've prevented it by the grace of God. Uh, but it totally does away with parental rights, totally does away with parental rights. I'm, I'm gonna be running out of time so I'm not gonna go ahead and, and talk too much more about this um, and I wanna talk to you about something else and uh, that is that there's a cause. There's a reason we're in here. We're in this uh, fight to protect parental rights. And ultimately, that reason is spiritual. Um, you know, the very first, the very first attack from Satan on people was an attack on the home. was an attack on the family. And uh that's a, the family has always been a target. Spiritually speaking, it's always a target. Family is the foundation of our nation. Family is the foundation of our society. Each home. That's why in Psalm 127, God tells us that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. There is a direct correlation between the health of the nation and the health of the home. The home is the foundation of the country. And if the foundations be destroyed, the pastor mentioned, what can the righteous do? It's getting more and more difficult to do a lot of things. It's getting more and more difficult to preach the gospel in public places now. Uh, in, in, uh, in the military, uh, chaplains are being told they cannot tell about Jesus Christ being the only way to salvation, the only way to God. As a matter of fact, the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child uh, frowns on that. In uh, Canada, they passed a law in 2013 that required that if your school, if a school teaches religion, it must also teach a course that shows that all religions are on equal par and that there's no one religion that's better than another. That comes from the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. That law was, was uh, 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 turned back by their high court uh, in 2015. 2015. In Scotland, they passed a law there that required that a, a, a social worker with a name, it's called the Name Person Act, a social worker was to be assigned to every child at birth. Government wants control. You know, Marxism, socialism, uh, communism, all of these things, you can't come to a free nation like the United States and talk to the old folks, like that guy over there, he's real old, I'm just kidding. (laughs) He's a lot younger than I am. Um, And say, uh, we need to be communists. We need to be Marxists. We need to be atheists. You know, it's not going to work. We wouldn't buy it, but we can train kids. We can make them into atheists. We can make them into communists. We can make them into moral relativists. You know, we can do that. And so that's what's been being done. But over there in, uh, in Scotland, uh, they, they passed this law, and uh, it went into effect in 2016. It required that a social worker be assigned to every child at birth and uh, it, it was passed in 2014. So it, it had a two-year ramp-up uh, time. And, uh, and, and then that child, that social worker, was to monitor that child until they're 18 years old. And then they were working on, on changing that to 21 years old. Uh, well, that law was overturned by their high court in, uh, in, in this year. At, uh, I think it was in June, June of 2016, it was overturned. So, it's not just going on here, it's going on all over the, all over the world, and uh, we need to do everything we can to protect it legally. But then, how do we protect it practically? How do we protect it? Um, and, uh, and we do that, and why is it so important anyway? And it's important because God's the one that gave us commandments. God is the one that gives children. Low children are inherited. Verse 3 of that same ch- chapter 127. Low children are inheritance of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. They belong to God. Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee. God says. They belong to God. And when he gives children to born-again believers, that's an awesome responsibility. You and I, an awesome responsibility to train up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's a responsibility that we're going to be held accountable to. God holds us accountable. God uh, blesses us as we bless him by blessing our children. And uh, so so what has happened is that we, as God's people, have taken... Our instructions on what we do with our children from the world. Isn't that true? Today we outsource our children from the time that they're 8 and 10 weeks old. Isn't that true? The majority of people, I'm talking about the majority of Christians, outsource their children from the, from the time that they're 8 and 10 weeks old for care, then as they grow, keep growing for education. As a matter of fact, government today wants to make it mandatory to have early childhood edu- education, public ch- uh, early childhood education. Uh, so we outsource them for care, for education, for entertainment. We outsource them for everything. We even outsource them for the spiritual things to the church, and we and we give it to the, we we hold the church responsible through the Sunday school department, through um, Uh, you know, all the other programs, the youth programs. We hold them responsible to teach our children and train them up to be the example for them. Because we're so busy. You know, mom and dad are off uh, uh, making their mark in the world, making the money that they need to make sure that they provide for their families. And that's become their major role, to be provider, to be the facilitator (laughs) of all these things. And uh, that's not bad in itself. But if you're a Christian, you've got a more important job than that. You've got a more important job than that. You know, Psalm 127, again, um, says, as arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. That's our job. We're supposed to Teach and train them and, uh, and do it by our example. And it takes a lot of time. And it takes a lot of dedication. It takes a lot of diligence. I talked to a pastor uh, uh, maybe about a year ago. I just said to him, because I know that church, I've known them for, for a long, long time, and said, you know, your church puts out a lot of people for Jesus Christ, a lot of kids for Jesus Christ that grow up to serve him in their lives. You know, they have pastors that have come from that church all over the world now, and missionaries and all that. They were all kids that grew up in that church. And he says, he didn't want to take the credit. He said, "Mm -mm, only those with committed parents turn out. You know why? Because God put an an inroad into a child's heart that only parents travel in. He put an influence, an ability to influence a child that, that no one else has. Sure, I mean, everyone is trying to influence our children. The media, the government, the media, the entertainment industry, the public schools. Everyone is doing it, and they're doing a great job. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. And that's what's happening to our kids. And so everyone has ability to influence. The Bible says, evil communications corrupt good manners. A child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. So everyone has power to influence, but no one has the power that the parents have to influence that children. And that's there by design from God. Because he's giving you a calling. He's giving you a responsibility. To teach and train your children. In his ways. To model what it's like. To be a faithful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. To your children alongside. I remember when we were. Uh, we were at our church. Years ago in Ohio. And uh, these guys were little. And, and uh, we, we had a bus ministry. I didn't want to be in the bus ministry. Uh, I had uh, I had other things I was doing in the church, you know, but this kid whose dad was was um, in, in uh, worked on Saturdays, and uh, so he evidently adopted me. His name is Sam Pankratz. and Sam would call me every single Friday. Oh no, the phone's ringing. It's Sam. Then I got I got to liking the bus ministry, by the way. Okay, <laughs> but. Um, he called me and said, Mr. Miranda, can you take me on visitation tomorrow? And I said, sure. And I'd go with Sam. Later, he, he got me to start driving the bus. And, uh, and I was in the bus ministry for a number of years as Sam grew up. And, uh, but these guys, everything I did in church, everything I did, they were with me. I wanted to try to be a model to them. And uh, Sam went off to Bible College and uh, his little brother took over the bus route. He was the captain, you know. Man, the first thing he did is he ordered another bus. He asked the pastor, Pastor, can we have another bus? We already had a full bus, a full-size school bus. We had 16 buses at the church. And and, uh, so he ordered another bus and the pastor said, Okay, I'll give it to you. And he filled it up. And then he... uh, he comes back to the pastor. He says, both buses are full. Uh, do you have another bus? And the pastor said, I don't have any more buses. He says, I have a van. You want a van? And he says, I'll take it. And little Daniel Pankratz filled up the van, too. His, father's, his father and his mother were godly people. They served God with all their hearts. And he wanted to be like them. You know, I was raised in a home of alcoholics broken marriage, all kinds of problems. They weren't trying to teach me to be an alcoholic. But because they have incredible power to influence. Parents have an incredible power to influence their children. I too became an alcoholic. See, inside we all want to be like mom and dad. Please get this. If your time is spent, all your spare time is spent on sports, and on the issues of this life, how in the world are we going to get our children to be his representatives when we pass on? Do you understand how important this is? God is involved in generations. Generations. You'll see everything. Everything is about generations. The lineage of Jesus Christ, you'll see it in Matthew and in Luke. Um... We have to be about his business in our lives. You know, I'm going to give you an example here. What's happening in our country today? We have the highest divorce rates in the history of the the, the, uh, country. Highest divorce rates. The highest crime rates. The highest drug abuse rates. Um, We are falling apart. And people are spending their time watching filth on the television at home in front of their children. We go to church. We go to church. What are we doing the rest of the time? How are we modeling his love and his care and his faith and his doctrine in our lives? God says in Malachi chapter 4 verses 5 and 6, that because of this comes cursing. I'm going to to quote it to you. It's Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, where God says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And we have it already. We have the curse already. 54% of 19 to 29-year-olds believe that socialism is good, that atheism is good, that moral relativism is true. And that's, that's what we need to model our lives like. You know what? The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Let's go there. If you have your Bibles, you can go to 2 Timothy, chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. All right. So it says, this know also that in the last days... Perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Hey, as we listen to these characteristics, think about and see if you see this happening around us today. Okay? So let's see. For men shall be lovers of, and, and because of this, perilous times shall come, right? For men shall be lovers of their own selves. You can't even drive today on the freeway without seeing people loving themselves more than their, than their uh, brother, huh? Cutting people off and everything and, 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 and uh, driving about two feet from your bumper. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fears, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. So do you think that maybe these... People were born with these characteristics. Is that why that in the last days there are going to be people born with these characteristics and that's why they'll have them? I, I, I would say not. As a matter of fact, I am believing that many of these people are coming from Christian homes today. As we give our children over to have... If we don't do it on purpose but as we give our children over to have Colossians 2.8 done to them. To be taught moral relativism, to be taught atheism, to be taught immorality, to be taught that you are most important. That's why there's so much divorce today. By the way, Ann and I uh, got married about two weeks before I got saved, and then she got saved after that. But uh, that was uh, 33 years ago and uh, so that's why that's, that's why this is happening we are outsourcing our ch- children for everything and in order to change it we have to repent we have to repent and sometimes it takes repenting over and over and over every day and not of the same things but of the new things and turning making a a decision to turn ourselves. That's what repentance is. I used to go in that direction, and now I want to go with you, Lord. Jesus said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And I know a, a saved person can't lose their salvation, but we can lose our testimony. We can have a miserable life. we can allow our kids to be thrown in a lake of fire. Because everybody needs to be saved. And what good is it for someone to be saved and live their life the way the world tells them to live it? What good is that? How's that going to help anything? He's put us here to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. That's everyone's everyone's job here. The salt of the earth and the light of the world. You know, the last part of uh, Psalm 127 says, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Remember it says, uh, as arrows in the hand of a mighty man so are the children of the youth. So he trains them, he hones them, he prepares them, he straightens it out. Look at the Psalms. I mean, the uh, Proverbs. I, I want you, please, fathers, mothers, go to every, say the first seven Proverbs. Go to through, through them all, all seven chapters, and read carefully. Let God talk to you about how intently that dad is teaching his son. Guess what? That dad diligently learned himself first. And as he was learning, he was saying, son, these are the important things. You know what? If you do that, your son's going to follow you because you're leading. Yes! Train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old, he will not depart from it. In Psalm 127, verse 5, it says, Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Those children. And uh, guess what? It says, the last part of verse 5 is exactly what the end result will be it says they shall not be ashamed but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate you know what we do our job with our kids raise them up and we do what god has called us to do we do it fervently with his with with uh, in his power and when it comes their time to lead when it comes their time To be the generation, they're not going to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It says they shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. They're going to turn it around. They're going to be the light of the world. They're going to be the salt of the earth. They're going to bring, they're going to speak for truth and righteousness, and they're going to turn this thing around. You see, the future of our country is right there in your home. It's right here. Yeah, we can do some the politics stuff, and we can do all those things. But uh, and we should, and we need to pass the amendment, and I need your help. But if you don't do this other part, which is the most important part, then it's for naught. It's for naught. So I'd like to ask you to please consider this. Pastor is going to come, and, and if there's an invitation, uh, come and do some business with God. And surrender your heart, your life, all those special interests that you have. Give them up for Jesus Christ. And turn your children into the future of righteousness and truth in this country. And I thank you so much for having me here and for listening so intently.